Good morning, church. Welcome here this morning. It's my absolute privilege to be with you all today and to preach God's transformative and life-changing word. It's another awesome day to be in the house of the Lord. Wouldn't you agree? And we thank the Lord for the honor of gathering as His church here in Frontline in the small suburb in Johannesburg called Mobarton. Probably one of the smaller suburbs in Johannesburg, but as small as it might be, and as few as we may be in this place, considering how big our God is, we thank the Lord for His promise that says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So we gather this morning in His name, and we are so grateful for His presence in this place. Amen. Let's just give Him some praise and glory for a few moments. Let's pray together as we prepare to move into the Word today. Father God, we come to you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we have the privilege of gathering as your church here in Mulbarton. We thank you that wherever you have a group of believers that have committed their lives to you and gather in your name, you are there in their midst. We thank you, Lord, for our time together, and we pray that as we study your word, we would be challenged by its truths, filled with its promises, and ignited to live out its values for your glory. Lord, there is none like you. There is none besides you, and it is is our heart's desire to live for you. So come and show yourself this morning through your word, and may we not leave here the same. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen Amen and amen. It's good to see you all this morning, church. In our time together this morning, studying God's Word, I want to share a message with you that I've titled, Sovereign Grace. Sovereign Grace. On the back of last week's message and the principles that we learned from that message, The principles of letting go of our past, of realizing that wherever we are, we are still in the land of our affliction. And even though, or that even though we don't see it, right, providentially, God is working all things for our good and for a much greater and eternal purpose. On the back of that, I was thinking this week about how amazing our God is how much He loves us in that we are a part of His redemptive plan, and how that if we have the right perspective and if we think Christianly about our purpose in this life, we would seriously be able to approach life in a more effective way, and we would be able to work through the things that can so easily hold us back or keep us stuck. You see, the enemy would love for us to be frozen in moments of time because of the things that have happened in our past and because of the pain that it brings. But God is saying, Manasseh, right? This is part of your journey and development for where you're going. And so what I want to speak to you about today is God's sovereign grace. You know, church, as we go through life and as we experience life, As we transition from one year to another, as every new birthday adds to the age of our existence, we are struck 
with the reality that life here on this earth is not always just sunshine and rainbows. Am I right? And as much as we plan for a certain future, and we should plan, right, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Forrest Gump said that life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And even though that's just a movie, it's a, it's a good quote because the truth is we don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And when we look at our past, we, we know this to be true because who would have seen things like COVID-19 happening? Who would have thought that basically overnight the world would be turned will be shut down and that our lives would be turned upside down? Who would have thought that all of a sudden we would be in the throes of a global pandemic with the threat of millions of people dying and that our government in many ways would be controlling us like puppets on a string? Answer, no one, right? Since then, who would have thought that Russia would attack Ukraine, a war that is still ongoing? And more recently, who would have thought that Hamas would attack Israel in its own backyard and erupt a full-scale Middle East war that could very likely be the catalyst to World War III? And yes, maybe there were certain war or political experts that may have read the signs and predicted some of it in part, but again, no one knew exactly when and how this would happen. And if we bring it down to a personal level, who would have thought that at some point in your life that you would lose someone very close to you? Or that you would suffer with this severe illness? Who would have thought that this person you loved so much right, and spent most of your life with would cheat on you and, and break up your marriage? Who would have thought that you would go through sequestration even though most of your life up until that point you were always so financially strong? Who would have thought that your son or your daughter, who was so passionate about the things of God, has now strayed so far from God that you hardly see any hope in them finding their way back? And what often happens in life, church, as we go through and experience different things like I've just mentioned, is one of two things. We either become worried and anxious, and we live in that state of worry and anxiety constantly, or we become tainted and numbed by the pain of the experience to the degree that we don't have any real hope for the future and we just go through the motions. And so the question that I really want us to answer together today is, what do we do with that reality? What do we do with the, the fear and anxiety? What do we do with the, the numbness and pain so that we don't become jaded and tainted by life's experiences? Because let me tell you what we don't do. What we don't do is act and behave like fake Christians who always think and act themselves like everything is just perfect. What we don't do is act like, act like those Christians that when you ask them how they're doing, even though they're having the worst day ever, and they're having to wipe away their tears before they speak to you, they say things like, I'm blessed, my brother. I'm highly favored. I'm a child of God. So, so what can I complain about? Am I right? If you can't say amen, maybe you should say aina. <laughs> now, we don't pretend like that because, you know what, we're not living in some fantasy world. We're living in the land of our affliction. Life happens to all of us, and it's okay to show your humanity sometimes. 
And to, so to answer our question this morning of how do we deal with life when life happens, I want you to please go with me to Exodus chapter 2, and let's read verses 23 to 25. This is what it says. Have you found it in your Bibles? But during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now, church, as we look at this passage of Scripture, if you know your Bible, you will know that this is the book of the Bible. This is the story where God uses Moses to deliver his people from captivity, from slavery in Egypt. But what's important to note here, that at this point of the story, we are still a long way from the parting of the Red Sea, which means that deliverance doesn't come tomorrow. And when we get to the Red Sea, at that point, we're still a long way from the promised land. And when we get to the promised land, at that point, we're still a long way from David and the age of the Davidic kingdom. And when we get to David, we're still a long way from the greater David, Jesus. And even when we get to Jesus, we're still a long way from the consummation of all things at the end of the age. And all that to point out that what we're not talking about here is dealing with life, dealing with fear and anxiety, dealing with our numbness and pain by believing that tomorrow is just magically going to be gone. Now, I'm talking about dealing with it in spite of the fact that tomorrow it probably won't be gone. It'll still be there unless you go to be, uh, be with the Lord. Because after this crisis, there may very well be another one. Right? So how do we deal with this? How do we stay committed to our purpose? How do we think Christianly even when life deals us a hand that we never thought we would get? There are four words from these verses that I want us to focus on this morning. There are four aspects of God's sovereign grace that I want us to look at. And what you'll see in verses 24 and 25 is that it says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Those words, church, those are the words that we are going to be focusing on. Those are the aspects of God's sovereign grace that we are going to be talking about. But before we do that, what I want to point out is that verse 23 is just like you and me in our crisis. Verse 23 is a horizontal perspective which says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And church, just like the children of Israel, we can't see past verse 23. We can only see and feel what we're going through at a specific point in time. Verse 23 is you and me going through our pain. Suffering the loss of that loved one. Dealing with the effects and emotions and, and pain of that disease. Or trying to cope with the global effects of a pandemic or imminent threats of World War III. 
right? This is what we're dealing with from a horizontal perspective. But there is something else that's happening in the vertical that we are not aware of. You know, church, God's providence is an amazing thing. And what's amazing about God's providence is that from our horizontal perspective, we only see in hindsight. What does that mean? That means that I can't see God's providence looking from today to tomorrow to next week or to next year. I can only see God's providence looking from today to yesterday to last week and to last year. Because right now, I have no idea how God is working all things together for the good. I don't know. All I know is what I'm experiencing, what I'm walking through, what I'm dealing with, and how I'm suffering. But then there is this vertical perspective where we find those words in verses 24 and 25. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And those four words, those four aspects of God's sovereign nature, church, and his grace, I would suggest are the key to us being able to endure Life in the midst of our fear and anxiety, and to help us through our numbness and pain. So let's have a look at this then. Firstly, God hears your groaning. God hears your groaning, amen? And that's good news, church, because listen, if you've been in ministry long enough, if you've been serving the Lord long enough, in the midst of some of the darkest days people sometimes experience, you either would have said it yourself or you would have heard someone else say, it seems like God just isn't listening. Have you ever been there before? Let's be honest this morning, right? By the way that some of you are nodding, I can tell that you've not just been there before, you're there right now. We have these moments where it feels like God just isn't listening, but you and I need to know, we need to be reminded that God hears our groaning. You see, the natural tendency of suffering and, and hurting Christians is to assume that God doesn't hear, and because God doesn't hear, God doesn't care. We fear the worst possible outcome, and sometimes we take it a step further. We, we shake our, our fists at God, and we blame God. And when we leave that thinking unattended, church, we may even turn away from following Him. Because we're in the midst of whatever it is we're facing, we're crying out to God, and we're not experiencing immediate relief, we naturally assume that God is not hearing us. And if God is not going to hear me, then why bother with this whole Christian thing, this whole Christianity thing? And church, every one of the children of Israel who thought like that were wrong. In spite of what they saw and what they felt, God heard their groanings. Whether it felt like it or not, whether it seemed like it or not, he was listening. And how do I know for sure? Well, the Bible makes this very clear. First of all, we know this to be true because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? But also because there are many passages of Scripture in the Bible that tell us of this truth. Let me give you a few. Psalm chapter 55 verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon, listen to this, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. 
Proverbs chapter 15 verse 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Amen, somebody. 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 to 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And you see, church, here's our challenge. What are we going to believe? Are we going to believe our fear and anxiety? Are we going to be frozen in moments of time because of our pain and and become numb? Or are we going to believe the word of the Lord where he says that he hears us? Amen? God hears us, and it is a comfort and a privilege to be heard by Him. And you know, church, even though that in itself may not seem that significant, when you're in the midst of your crisis and your circumstances just aren't changing, just hold on to the theological truth that as you commune and have fellowship with God in prayer, as you cry out to Him, He hears you. And whatever you are suffering in that moment, you can have the assurance that number one, it's temporary, and number two, it's not worth comparing to what awaits you. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8 when he was talking about this future glory. He said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Amen? So that's the first thing God hears. And secondly, God remembers. And what our text tells us here is that God remembers his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And this is a really important thing to hold on to in your Christian life because church... God didn't remember the Jewish people because they were the the good guys and because they were getting everything right. No, he remembered them because of his covenant with them. And you see, oftentimes, that's the next place we go to in the midst of our pain or in the midst of our fear and anxiety. We firstly tell ourselves that God isn't doing anything because he isn't listening to me. And then we tell ourselves that he isn't listening to me because I must have done something wrong to anger him. Or I must not have been good enough or perfect enough for his liking. And what we do is we paint God as this critical God who is up in heaven with this this notebook, this clipboard, and he's busy taking note of everything that you're doing wrong and how imperfect you are. And only when you get it right and only when you get it perfect, then will he give you certain blessings in your life. Only then will he deliver you from what you're going through. But church, that's not the God we serve. And guess what? Here's the reality. There is none righteous. Right? No, not one. You and I have never and will never in our lives ever be good enough to earn approval from God. Because listen, if God were to give us what we deserved, we would wake up in hell one day. Right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I know that sounds heavy, but it's actually really good news if you're thinking Christianly, because in the context of God's redemptive plan, what he remembers is not my sin, but his covenant. Amen? 
God looks at Israel in the midst of their suffering and he remembers the covenant that he made with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob in spite of the fact that there was not one person there who deserved to be delivered. But God says in Isaiah chapter 44, have a look at it with me. He says, remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. God will not forget his covenant with his people. And in Galatians chapter 3, it says this about us, his covenantal people by faith. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that's the covenant, might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Church, we need to be reminded that in the midst of our worst and our darkest days, when fear is gripping us, and when pain is debilitating us, that the God of of this universe hears us, and He remembers His covenant with His people. Can I get an amen to that? God hears, God remembers, and thirdly, God sees His people. You know, church, this is one of the the areas of trusting God and His sovereign grace that we often struggle with. Because when I'm going through my darkest days, I would probably feel better if I could believe that maybe, just maybe, God didn't see what was going on. I know this is theologically impossible because God is omnipresent, but it's almost, I have this feeling, I would almost rather believe that somehow God got distracted for that moment, right? Right? That he was like one of those parents, you know, that let's say have three children under three years old, and they're trying to stop this one from pulling the pot plant over. They're trying to stop this one from running to the pool and put something in their mouth. And in their trying, they forget the one in the walking ring, and all of a sudden there's this crash, there's a scream, and the one in the walking ring has fallen down the stairs into into the garage. I'm not saying that's anyone here this morning, but you get the picture, right? For some reason, we would much rather believe that God is like that and that he got distracted. Why? Because if God was watching, surely he wouldn't have allowed it to happen. Surely not. And isn't that the question that we struggle with sometimes? Isn't that the question of theodicy? Isn't that the question of if God is omnipotent, if he's omniscient and and omnipresent? If he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and and present everywhere at the same time, then why and how would he allow evil to take place in the world, and why would he allow evil things to happen to me? That's a question that most of us have asked at some point in our lives. Am I right? But church, the Bible says, the text says to the God's covenant people, in the midst of their slavery, in the midst of their worst days, that he hears, he remembers, and he sees. Psalm 121 verses 1 to 8 says this about how God sees his people. It says, I lift my eyes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. 
He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen? He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't miss a single thing. That's the God that we serve. Amen? And you know what this really means, church, at the essence, at the core of it? This means that when you lost your loved one, God wasn't absent. It means that when you got your heart broken, God didn't miss that event in your life. It means that when you were going through that, that illness and you were going through all that pain and all those emotions, God was there. It means that when your parents got divorced and your family was torn apart, that wasn't because God was being negligent or because he was off busy doing something else. And you know, this aspect of God's sovereign grace is so important to, to take a hold of church because the moment you start believing that this thing happened to you because God wasn't in control or because God wasn't present, that's the moment you determine in your heart that you can't trust God to be in control of a broken heart, that you can't trust God to be in control of a marriage or of your illness or to be in control of a worldwide pandemic. And if you can't trust God to be in control of all these things, then how are you going to trust Him to get you from here to heaven? Right? Because you see, here's the thing. He's either sovereign or He's not. And if He's not sovereign, your salvation is not secure. Right? But if He is sovereign, then that means, church, that at your worst moment, He wasn't absent. He heard, He remembered, and He saw. Which brings us to the last point of our text, which is God knows. God knows. God not only hears, He not only remembers, He not only sees, but He knows. By the way, this word know here is not just about having information, all this information, or even having access to information. The implication here is intimate knowledge. The implication is that he loves and pities the one he knows. And do you want to really know what God knows? Let me tell you a few things. Firstly, God knows which circumstances will maximize his glory. Amen? He knows what will ultimately bring glory to him, which means, in case you're wondering, that his glory is more important than our comfort. Church, God knows what you really need far more than you ever will. And again, this is providence. We only see providence when we look back. And the longer we live, the more we look back and remember, think about this, the more we look back and remember those moments when you were asking God for certain things, and you were even upset that you didn't get them, only to realize now that it would have been a hindrance to where God has placed you and what God is calling you to do. Is there a witness in the house for that? God knows what you can endure and you don't. You think you do until you endure what you, couldn't, what you thought you couldn't endure, and then you learn that you could endure more than you thought you could. Right? 
But guess what? God didn't learn that about you. He showed you, right? And church, do you know what else God knows? He knows your delivery is coming. He knows your delivery is coming. He knows when and he knows how he's coming. And church, in a nutshell, this is what was happening in the realm that the children of Israel couldn't see while they were still uh, in captivity and in slavery. And that's what's always happening with God's covenant people in the realm that they can't see. That's what's happening in this vertical realm that's outside of our ability to grasp or understand. It's interesting, you know, as I was going through this word this week, I was reminded of this uh, moment in my life that I'll never forget, a moment that actually really marked me. When my daughter Rachel was born, she came out so perfect, and I can remember the first time I held her in my arms, the best moment a dad will ever have in his life. Am I right, dad? And from that day, I had the purpose in my heart, I believed it was a God-given purpose, that I would protect her with my very life. I was and, and still am the type of dad that is very protective over his girls. But one day, I think when Rachel was about nine or ten months old, she went through a period where she was constantly sick. She had these issues with her chest. She wasn't sleeping much. And so we decided to take her to this well-known pediatrician. But what we didn't know about this doctor is that he would put Rachel through some very traumatic things that day. Right? He had to perform all these tests and, and to come to this diagnosis. According to us, he wasn't the most gentle doctor we had ever seen. But we were so concerned about Rachel that we allowed him to follow through with his test and diagnosis. But the more he carried on with the diagnosis and the more tests he was doing on her, the more she was crying. And the more she was trying to get away from him to come to us. And you know, church, I, I vividly remember how while well all of this was happening, there was a moment where she looked at me with this complete shock in her eyes. And I'm sure that if she could have uttered a word at that point, she probably would have said, Daddy... This is really painful. Why are you letting this happen to me? And, and why aren't you doing anything about it? And seeing that look on her face, let me tell you, it absolutely wrecked me. But as hard as it was for me, I knew that it was necessary for her to go through that in order for her to come better or through better on the other side. At that point, she probably even thought that it was a sign that I didn't love her. Right? I mean, how could her dad let her go through all of this? But you know what, church? She would have been absolutely, completely, and utterly wrong. Because I heard. I remembered. I saw, and I knew. And I knew that I wasn't going to leave her in that, that helpless state forever, because... As it turned out, I eventually couldn't handle it anymore, and I ran over to the doctor. I grabbed Rachel from the doctor, and I held her as close to me as I ever could. And church, I want you to know that in the midst of whatever you're going through, in the midst of that fear and anxiety, in the midst of that pain, I want you to know that we serve a God who hears, who remembers, who sees, and who knows. He hears your cries, right? He remembers his covenant with you. 
He sees the bigger picture, and he knows that help is on the way. And whatever it is that you're afraid of, whatever it is that you're enduring, just remember that it isn't bigger than a resurrected Jesus. Amen? Amen. And if God can raise Christ from the dead in order to demonstrate his commitment to the redemption of his people, if he's working out your redemption and he's so committed to your redemption that he was willing to send his only begotten son to the cross so that your redemption could be guaranteed, then he can bring you and me through whatever it is that's causing us this pain or what's causing us this fear and anxiety because God always rescues his people. So church, yes, life is like a box of chocolates. We never know what we're going to get. But what I do know this morning is that regardless of what comes my way, regardless of what I get, my God hears, He remembers, He sees, and He knows. In His sovereign grace, He is working things for my ultimate good. And let me tell you, that brings me great comfort and assurance as I live out my life here in the land of my affliction. Amen. Let's give God all the glory for his, his word this morning, church.